Hey, welcome to the Image Doctors Photography Podcast, everyone. I'm Jason Odell. And I'm Rick Walker. And it's good to be back with all of you guys out there and our listeners. Um, I should say all people, it's not all guys. That's everyone who listens to this podcast. We're glad to have you here. Um, this week was more of a product announcement week, but um, uh, did a little shooting and uh, over the weekend, I'll talk about that as it relates to this week's topic um and then um anything else that we've got coming up rick that we need to mention i think that's good for right now we're we're gonna have no problem filling up the time today oh i do <laughs> want to talk about something though i want to talk about it. something very briefly and we sent a note out to all of our uh our patreon supporters at image doctors photo.com um about a new feature that we're going to be rolling into which we're going to announce um now but it's uh, not quite finished and that's uh, photo themes for each month and we're going to be requesting if you are a supporter you can participate in the photo theme challenge for each month uh, it's not really a contest or a competition but we'll have a theme uh, it'll go out to you via email uh, from us and you can submit your entry and and if we and we'll talk about the ones that we like the best and share them uh, in the podcast but more importantly we'll also share them in our blog which is another feature of our that our supporters get access to so if you want to support the podcast and have an opportunity to uh, submit your images for a little fun uh, review very very not critique in the sense um, you know not a competition um, but just to have your photos looked at it by us then um, go over to image doctors photo.com and uh, sign up and be a supporter and just a reminder the highest tier Supporters also can request critiques, and True. we're happy to do that. We we don't part go nasty. Your, we try to stay constructive. Part of your package, so you don't have to worry about us, you know, right. yelling so, at you or anything. So, like, we're not going to do that. So if you're at our patron level supporter, then you get an image review and critique from mm -hmm. us as part of the deal. So yes, we shouldn't forget that. Anyway, that being said, um, this week was most notable because we had new announcements of products from om system aka olympus in the past three things two lenses and a new camera body and uh one of them is super easy so let's just get that one out of the way right they they did a in a they were having to rebrand or relabel um their products with om system as versus part of the olympus deal. Yeah, as part, part of the deal. Part of the so deal. it's gradually happening. Um, the 9 to 18 millimeter F4 to 5.6 is one of them that got relabeled. No optical changes, slightly different cosmetics, same price. That's about it. Right. And I got a copy of the first version of this lens mm -hmm. just last week. Um, not because I was thinking about it um, buying the new one or anything like that. I got a very good deal used. Um, and I did some brief, quick tests with it, and it seemed pretty good, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, a little I've soft in the corners, it, but... a little bit of softness in the corners, but not like smeared and things I've seen in the past. And no, no. When you showed me those shots, I I think they're very, you know, so very decent. I so, use it. So what's cool about this lens is that if you're willing to live with the slightly slower apertures, which for many wide-angle shots, that's completely fine. It's tiny. It weighs 155 grams. It's just not big. It takes a 52 millimeter 
front filter. So compared to something like the 8 to 25 F4 Pro, which is a pretty big chunk of a lens, very good. Um, this is a nice small travel lens if you're looking for something wide. Yeah. In the same category of lenses, uh, they announced a, a new 150 to 600 F5 to 6.3. You know, it'll have the OM system label on it, but it's it's a new lens for them. It is not a new lens. It is actually right. made by Sigma. You say by that way, sounds Sigma, a little familiar. <laughs> yeah, Sigma actually makes some other lenses um, for OM system, and and by the way, that whole thing is not uncommon in the general business. You'll find other things like that, including ones made by Tamron for other companies. Go down the list. Um, but it, it's a it's a long focal length for micro four thirds. Yeah, and. When it got announced, I think the tendency was for people to compare it to the existing Sigma branded lens, which you can get in the Sony mirrorless E mount or the Leica, was it L mount? L mount. Panasonic yeah. uses the, that too. And, and, and what jumps out to you <laughs> is the price tag difference because it's pretty significant. It's almost a thousand dollars more, uh, and and that could be a pretty big turnoff to some people. Um, and then people were saying, "Yeah, but I can get this lens in this other mount for for less money." Um, so why? Do I, you know, there's been a lot of sort of criticism, and in, and it's not unfair. It's 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 realistic. But I think to appreciate this lens, you have to not compare it to a full frame system you have to compare it to its focal length equivalent on the way you're going to use it on the olympus om system body and i think that's where it gets interesting wouldn't you say rick i think so the 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 one statement i'll make is if everyone did like sony did and opened up the lens mount design you know without all these premiums and mm -hmm. or having pass-throughs the price would probably be pretty damn similar to yeah, what I, you I, see the, for the Sony version. That's a different issue that has to right. do with open mounts and stuff. This is not that situation. So I agree right. with you. If you look within the context of how things are done within the OM system and lots of other ones right now, this is not a bad deal for what you're getting. Right. And let's, let's be clear. Anytime a third party manufactures a lens with the branding on that lens as the manufacturer's own there's going to be some kind of a markup for justified reasons right in so, that scenario and so i'm not here to talk about the magnitude of, of said markup <laughs> no. but but you know in order for that company to have support and and tech support and repair and all these things in their own facilities there's going to be a bit of a markup no matter what you do so that's a different thing so that that's mm -hmm. one um the, the other thing that people are saying is that, oh my gosh, it's so big and heavy. It's because it's a full frame design. I agree. It's about four and a half pounds, which is comparable to every other lens, full frame <laughs> lens in that range. The Nikon 180 to 600, the Sony 200 to 600. Um, these are lenses that are not lightweight. And does that violate somehow the 
you know, the micro four thirds concept. Um, I, I know that when we've talked about four thirds in the past, smaller and lighter is nicer. The reason those lenses are smaller and nicer is because generally you're using a focal length that's one half of the equivalent you're trying to get to. Right. So my 300 F4, which I played with this weekend, is the same, roughly same size and weight as the old Nikon AF300 F4. Right. Because it's designed that you have design constraints based on the size of the front element, etc. the optics regardless of the sensor format. Yeah. But I'm using it as a 600. So comparing it to a 600, oh my gosh, it's super lightweight. But this is a 1200 millimeter equivalent at the long end. Right. 300 at the short end. That's the thing that you really want to focus on is, okay, yeah, it's about the same size and weight as the Nikon 180 to 600 or the Sony to 200 to 600. But this is operating with the equivalent of a 1200 millimeter focal length, which is a very different animal. And you're, you're going to end up with a, you know, some size and weight issues. If you try to do something like that on a full frame body, it's, it's hard to get there. Correct. And so I want to address this in sort of two, two places kind of thing. Um, One is, is why the heck does anybody need a lens that goes out to 1200 millimeter equivalent? Because when I first heard about this and the rumors was coming out, I was like, my God, that seems silly to, to manufacture for micro four thirds. Olympus, uh, I should say, OM system, longest lens, and at the 400 mark right now. You've got the 100 to 400. You've got the 150 to 400, which is incredibly expensive, you know, 7,500 US. Um, and that's about it. Um, or you could use the 300 with teleconverters. You know, you get into these. It's so, not cheap, but kind of in the middle ground. It, it is. So let's talk about first why you might want that range. Because I don't think either of us would have come up with this idea uh, five, six, ten years ago. It yeah. would have been silly. Yeah. Uh, it's A, it just feels like overkill. Um, B, um, there wasn't a way to get that combination three mirrorless lens designs that wouldn't have weighed an obscene amount of weight and it just wouldn't have been practical for either of us to even contemplate you know the idea of putting a 1.4 teleconverter on the old 800 lens you know 800 millimeters which sometimes weighed 12 pounds it was just crazy right so there's that but we've both found that there were times when having the extra reach was useful didn't we yeah you know specifically when using that um, olympus 100 to 400 millimeter lens you know we talked about a trip up to our one of our famous or or the places that we'd like a lot um which used to be called mount evans now mount blue sky where we were photographing um mountain goats marmots Mm -hmm. etc and we were using that 400 millimeter equivalent of 800 millimeter and quite a bit more than we expected and I, i think the thing that I wasn't really thinking about was how many times in the past I either cropped in extensively, you know, ending up with very low resolution um, or just didn't make the shot because I just right. thought it's not going to turn out that great. Right. And so that convinced me of the usefulness of 800 millimeters for very large subjects. 
take it down to birds. You're and, there. Yeah. And that's you as know, long so, as you can handhold the lens. Right. And, and a four and a half pound lens is not the lightest creature. And it is good with a better if you can use something like a monopod for extended periods. But it's not but, unmanageable. It's absolutely and, manageable. We've both used a, similar size lenses. And a very nice feature that this has is it's called Sync IS, which is just the camera's IBIS system and the optical stabilization system in the lens working together to get you a, a more stabilized lens. Right. And what does this mean? The other thing that I like about this design, I wasn't thinking about it is it is excuse me it is a zoom lens. Okay. And most of the time, you don't need 1,200. You don't need that full amount. You're going to be backed off a little bit. You'll be in, if you want to shoot in that 800 to 1,000 range, that equivalent range, mm -hmm. you're, you're now, usually lenses are better sharp, sharpness-wise in the middle of the zoom mm -hmm. range, better than either extreme. But... Uh, you're not using it necessarily at its slowest aperture, although that just depends on on how these things pan out. Um, but you don't. But when you're using a prime with a teleconverter, that is a conscious choice. You're now stuck with that focal length. So here's my little story. I went out and I wanted to play with 1200 mm -hmm. because this lens was coming out. And I wanted to see how how useful it would be or not. So I went to our local nature center over the weekend where they have bird feeders set up and it's winter, you know, they're coming to the feeders and there was a lot of little mountain birds, you know, um, chickadees and, and, and bush tits and tiny little things. And the reality was at 1200, it's hard to, to, to frame things in your viewfinder. And I was able to do it. And I was using the two X teleconverter on the Olympus 300 millimeter F4 lens, which is a, surprisingly sharp combo combo mm -hmm. minimum aperture now is f8 not terrible but you're getting into the territory where things go in the shade your iso is pushing way up and focus accuracy can be a little bit more of a challenge um but it was usable and i looked at shots where i was you know even medium-sized birds at modest distance where you can't get right up on top of them because not, you're not usually in a blind i was cropping in still just like you said I was cropping mm -hmm. in, you know, 20 or 30% into the frame. So what if you could do that without needing a teleconverter and being in the same weight class? Oh, and my, by the way, let's take the last feature is when you have that much zoom, you're putting all of the, your pixels onto your target. So you sort of alluded to this. When I was in Panama, I was shooting 100 to 400, sometimes with a teleconverter. And then in the z9 dx crop 1.5 crop to get that equivalent 800 territory reach mm -hmm. what what was i at with the teleconverter well i was at f8 and with the crop i was down to 19 megapixels and that's before cropping in any further right so what if i told you you could put 20 megapixels at 1200 you know that's not a bad thing no so our intent is going to try to is to be able to get a loaner um, when this thing comes out and, and give it a run. But, you know, we've kind of shifted our opinions. Both of us were a little bit um, suspect of it. Mm -hmm. But then when we really started thinking about our own experiences and the impact of sync IS and the actual weight of it, it's like, yeah, this isn't, 
a bad thing. I don't think I'll go and buy one because I don't do enough of that kind of shooting. But if I did, right. I would contemplate it. And I would certainly contemplate renting it for some yeah. special situation. And going out in the field, there's a lot of people using these Sigma Tamron things that weigh about that much. The Nikon 200 to 500, which we love, sure. was bigger and heavier than this thing. So, mm-hmm. you know, this this gives you gives you that range. And if you put it into this kind of context, if you are an OM system shooter, you now have a way to get more reach and the same range or better range than their most expensive lens, which is the 100, uh, 150 to 400. And that one has a built-in 1.25 TC. So that'll get you to 1,000 at 5.6. You can be in a very similar territory, obviously, with, with the same Synchro IS feature, that synchronized stabilization. Now, is the optics as good? Yeah, probably not quite. But you're talking about something that all of a sudden that $2,700 price tag looks really good compared to $7,500 price tag. Yeah. Just saying. And that's this is a... <laughs> In, in the Sony and uh, L-mount versions, this is a lens that people like. It's considered sharp. And, and with the micro four-thirds, you'll only be using the central part of that lens, which is the sharpest portion. Yeah. So it so might it, be it a compelling thing. Very well. It, it just won't be tiny. That's, that's All right. uh, how it is. So goes. let's okay. try to get the body in. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so now here's the fun part because this one is the, the, the Tempest in the teapot. It's a quote unquote new camera, the OM1 Mark II. Uh, it was also announced. Um, the, there was a good, um, there's, there's been a few hands-on reviews, but nothing independent so far. They're not reviews. They're right. They're, they're just they're marketing. They're just, yeah, there's there's people who've used the camera and they've given their thoughts on it, but they're not independent, unbiased necessarily. Very le- varying levels of credibility, too. So, we both own the OM1. You've owned it lower lo- longer than I am. Mm-hmm. Um, it was announced, and we should point this out. The camera was announced in late February or February of 2022. And, didn't really start shipping until the end of March that year, meaning right. it's not even two years old yet. No. Um, and you had already said back in our podcast where we where you got it, there were some refinements that you felt were necessary and could presumably be addressed through firmware. Right. Is that correct? Okay. Yeah. So what we have seen is that a lot of these issues appear to be have addressed in this new camera rather than a firmware upgrade to the new camera That's, to the existing to camera. the existing camera excuse me yeah excuse me um and that that leaves a lot and of it, it's a variety of things it's it's what appear to be some nice improvements to subject detection including full body recognition for people which could make yeah. this a better sports camera um it's Improving the autofocus performance just purely, which is um, something we both thought was necessary. Some hardware in the camera that supposedly improves that. Yeah, bigger whole, buffer. Whole, whole bunch of little features, which when you start looking at them, are very nice and attractive features. Yes, agreed. Some nice. We won't go into it today because it would take too long, but some options for the behavior of subject detection that are super useful. And, and could make it kind of best in class, actually, that you would have choices that you mm-hmm. don't find on other cameras. Right. Um, 
things regarding frame rates, the pre-burst capture, what they call pro capture, that's all been mm-hmm. improved. Um, the autofocus is supposed to be less fooled by, uh, with subject detection for birds, less fooled by things that block the subject. So if a branch gets, I've seen this mm-hmm. happen, you know, where, you know, even the camera does its best. It can't always nail it. Um, you know, uh, you know, rubberized control knobs, which control dials, which is no big deal, but they certainly work better. I would think just, mm-hmm. you know, these are, these are nice refinements, better ways of assigning buttons to, to different functions. Now you can assign things differently. The menu structures or some of the menus have been improved. Um, you know, they, they've done a lot of things. It looks like this. a very nice camera. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so a little the, bit higher price. It's tracks with lots of other things. Yeah. Not, yeah. not unreasonable at all. And my 2399 us. So, so the question then becomes, you know, who should buy this camera now? You know, because mm-hmm. it is definitely the things they put into it are very appealing. If you shoot a certain kind of way, we didn't even mention things like a virtual graduated ND filter feature, which is unique. Not something I think either of us would probably. I use, would not use it, but it's interesting to see that computational yeah. thing going into this camera. Right? That's mm-hmm. a very cool for idea for JPEG shooters in particular. Yeah, I could it see could that. It could be useful. Um, so some of those computational things, which we've talked about, um, have been improved or or even added to. So that's all good stuff. The question would be, if you're an existing OM1 user, do you upgrade to this camera? Because I think if you're owner of an older predecessor, e, which is the EM1 line of Olympus branded cameras, EM1, 1, 2, or 3, Mark 1, 2, 3, I think this is a great upgrade. Yes. I mean, it's clearly worth it. It's improved enough. And it's especially if you do wildlife kind of photography, it's probably the one you'd want. Mm-hmm. Where things get a little messier is if you already own an OM1. Which um, is, despite, you know, the comments I made, you know, about a few areas needing, needing to be refined, which they still do. It, it is an awfully nice camera. We've talked enough about yeah. it that I think people have that sense. It, I think- it handles really nicely, really nice feature set, beautiful viewfinder, very nice image quality. And it's Light better than the OM5. Right? Oh, gosh, yeah. You know, it's yeah. just better than that classic camera. It's a yeah. really nice camera. And I would say if you have an OM1, you should be very happy that you have a great camera because it the OM1 didn't get any worse by the Mark II being being announced. You know, it didn't it 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 didn't uh get you know out of date or anything like that. I think if you're a casual shooter and using it for just sort of you know everyday shooting maybe some portraits maybe go to the zoo whatever uh you know bird feeders your local birds it, it's hard to make a strong argument to spend the money to upgrade to the mark ii would you agree yeah, yeah. um now here's where i'm gonna do a little bit of Slightly negative stuff, not horribly negative, but I'm, I'm going to be honest. 
This the OM one has been out for less than two years. Mm -hmm. OMD has it makes a big thing about their robust firmware upgrade program and how they do that. That has not happened with the OM one. It really hasn't. They've they've done a few firmware updates and then they stopped. And a huge percentage of the the nice features in this new body are things that absolutely could have been made to the OM one. Absolutely. They're not performance related things. Right. They're functional things that would be nice. It frustrates me a lot that they are cut they are apparently cutting off firmware updates to the OM one as with the exception of maybe things that maintenance things. Maintenance things like a new lens that comes out where they right. have to do something. Right. So that frustrates me a lot. That should not be happening this quickly. They should have made more updates to that body than they did. Um, mm -hmm. I, that's and my I view. Would, this will, is not 1990. Right. People and expect I'll, software to, to evolve. I'll, I'll be fair. There are certain firmware upgrades that would require better hardware. I can believe it. I, I, you know, let's, let's not yeah. be... Let's be fair here. There are probably things yes. that require the more memory or the bigger buffer. That's fine. Okay. No, no complaint there. Um, however, we have seen other companies upgrade AF algorithms frequently um, from other brands. Um, you know, we've tweaked the autofocus to make it better. We've, you know, it, um, we've also seen other companies turn things into kind of dead ends. So this is, mm -hmm. this is not unique behavior. No. Um, uh, and so it is, I think both but it's of us. Not great. <laughs> no, it's frustrating. Doesn't inspire because, confidence. Yeah, it it's it's a little frustrating. I mean, like I said, I don't look at my OM one and say, "Oh my God, I I I have to go run out now and buy this new camera." Um, but I'm in a different position than you. I'm not just a casual enthusiast. I I do photography as a business, as a profession, and I'd like to include a lot of wildlife photography. So. I can make an argument for me, not that I want to spend money, but getting a Mark II and using my my existing one as a backup body, which I currently don't have, isn't outrageous because I do find those use cases sometimes in what I do. But would I have really liked a firmware update to the OM1? Yeah, because I think it, it just, there's been some statements out on social media basically saying that it's a hardware limitation and i don't know i i find I that a little bit hard to believe in some some respects yeah, but I, but you know what the company has spoken <laughs> they've done what they're gonna do and i really enjoy using their products that's the thing and i think you do too i mean yeah we say uh, this as liking the system you know <laughs> oh yeah yeah you know, this is yeah, yeah, i wouldn't try to i wouldn't care as much if i didn't like it but this is not 1990 software should evolve especially when there are functions that never really worked correct foot foot stomping there um the the one other thing i would say like i said i think this will be a very nice camera and if you're coming from an em1 series camera it's it's kind of a no-brainer yeah I if you're going for an om1 i would wait a little bit longer that would be my recommendation see what the independent review said, because there are whole functions that did not work on the OM-1 that have not been addressed by any of their ambassadors. They're kind of pretending they don't exist. So I don't know if that thing has actually been fixed or not with 
with right. the tracking function, for example, I would at least want to know that kind of thing before in, investing in it. I'll say it wouldn't be a deal breaker, but if they've improved it to the point where we wanted to see, that could that would that be could make you tip the f- scale in favor of upgrading to this camera mm-hmm. um, in terms of autofocus tracking options. Yeah. Anyway, we we like it. We can't wait to see one. Um, at some point, maybe I'll see about if we can get a loan on one to, to play with. Um, I think we'd both be really pleased if it exceeded our expectations or even lined up with what we're hearing. Yeah, because it does sound pretty good, especially for some of these new new yeah. features. Um, but uh, from what I've seen right now, if you want to pre-order one, you can do so. They're throwing in a free extra battery, which is you know 100 bucks, so that's not yeah. terrible. Um, and it looks like it's going to be shipping sometime towards the end of this month, February. Um, so we'll just see. Um, yeah. In the meantime, uh, we'll continue to use what we have and be happy with it. Because that's the important oh, yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, you know, nothing, nothing has, uh, you know, I'm not mad, you know, about anything that I'm using. So um, that's about it. So until next time, happy shooting. All right. Bye-bye.